When I first started my business in April of last year, I was struggling to attract clients who were ready to work with me. My income was like a roller coaster ride for the first six months. I couldn't seem to figure out how to make consistent income each month. I was also working 12 to 16 hour days doing everything I possibly could to get my business off the ground. I was doing every single job in my business. At that time, I didn't have the money to invest in a coach, but I also knew I needed the guidance if I was ever going to be able to quit my nine to five job and go full time doing what I loved. So I bit the bullet and invested in a coach and it was the best decision I ever made for my business. I see this all the time with new entrepreneurs. They need the support and guidance of a coach, but they don't have the money to invest. It's a total catch 22. It's like, I need to make money before I invest in a coach, but at the same time, I'm struggling to make money without a coach. And that's exactly why I created Becoming Your Own CEO, my signature five-week course where you get coaching from a high-level coach, me, without the high-level price tag so you can ditch the typical nine-to-five and go full-time doing what you love. This is different from other group programs because you actually do receive one-on-one support and real coaching. More importantly, you get me, but it doesn't stop there. You also get weekly small group coaching calls with one-on-one coaching from me to help you clear the roadblocks in your business. You'll also learn everything you need to build a profitable foundation through weekly pre-recorded trainings and PDF guides. Plus, you'll get access to a private Facebook group with 24-7 business support from me to get all of your questions answered immediately. Finally, you'll receive one 30-minute private coaching call to create the blueprint to becoming your own CEO. This five-week program is valued at $2,800, but for the first five people, I am offering it for only $497 or two payments of $333. There's only one spot left at this price. After the first five people, it'll be $777 in full or two payments of $444. I seriously cannot believe how much value is in this program, and I'm so excited to be able to offer it at this unbelievable price. I also like to reward those who take fast action. So here are some of the bonuses. For the first five people who enroll, you'll also receive my video training on how to create Black Friday deals that sell. So you'll actually be able to start making your money back in the first few weeks of this course. Plus, the first nine people who enroll will also get my Making Money on Social Media course, plus a personalized social media audit. If you're ready to build the foundation in your business to become your own CEO, apply now before the spots are full. I'm only allowing nine women into this program to keep it intimate and to ensure that everyone gets one-on-one support. There are only six spots remaining. So if you're ready to make 2020 the year you become your own CEO, go to the link in the show notes and apply now. Aloha, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Shart, who is a women's wellness coach and also a former one-on-one client. Today, Liz and I talk about how to create wellness on your own terms. 
She shares with us her own personal struggles with creating sustainable wellness in her life and how she has been able to overcome those challenges along the way to discover her own authentic way of living. She shares with us why so many diets fail and why it's important to shift the goal of movement from weight loss to feeling empowered in our bodies. She shares with us practical tips on how you can improve your wellness, even if you're on a budget. She also breaks down some of the most common myths in the health and fitness industry. This is an empowering episode about reclaiming your own wellness and the power of defining what that means for yourself. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Liz. Welcome to the Uplifting Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Lee, and I'm a business mindset coach, public speaker, world record holder, power lifter, and self-love advocate. I believe that there is so much power in owning and sharing our story, which is why on this podcast, I interview other powerful women about the challenges that they have overcome to be where they are today. My goal for this podcast is to create a safe space for all women to share their real, raw, and mostly unedited stories that will leave you empowered to live more authentically, openly, and freely. If you're looking to up-level your happiness, success, and fulfillment, then you've come to the right place. Look at this podcast as your weekly dose of personal development and mindset work to help you shift into your most uplifted self. Thank you so much for pressing play today, and now let's find out what's uplifting you today. Welcome back to the Uplifting Podcast. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Sharp. Elizabeth is a women's wellness coach and the founder of Rise Up Women's Wellness. As a coach, she helps women form healthy habits in the areas of nutrition, sleep, exercise, stress management, and mindset in a way that feels authentic to them. Welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. Hi, how are you today? I'm wonderful. So I love to start every podcast by having you share a story uh, from your past that brought you into the work that you're doing today as a women's wellness coach. Sure. Well, actually, this is really funny because I am speaking to you from Chicago, from my parents' house, um, which is essentially kind of where all this journey began. So it's kind of apropos. I kind of like it. So I was, when I was a kid, I the main lesson that I was taught was that I had to fit in, in every way that I could, in any way that I could, and that I wasn't allowed to stand out and I wasn't allowed to be me um, because image where I come from is everything. Your outward image to the world represents your status and your stature. So uh, I'm not that kind of person. I am very much not a uh, conformist by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And I always kind of grew up feeling like I didn't fit, like I didn't fit in my town. And at times I didn't really fit in my own family just because I felt very different than all than everybody else. So I didn't think I thought that was the wrong thing to do for a very, very long time. I thought that was kind of the exact opposite of what I should be doing. Instead of trying to fit in, I slowly learned how to be myself. And it was a very long and very painful process. It took me moving to Phoenix. Um, It took me moving 2,000 miles away from every support system that I've ever had um, to really kind of get in touch with who I was at at my core. And I was able to, and at that point, I was so beaten down, you know, existing in 
a job that I didn't hate. I actually loved my job, but existing with a mentality that I was there to please others as opposed to I was there to do a service, but also take care of myself first. So, you know, I, I ended up my second year, second, third year in Phoenix being sick, being tired, um, burnt out, stressed out. And I basically hit my version of rock bottom. Um, I was using food as a coping mechanism. And then I was using losing weight as a confidence booster. And it was it just kind of was this very messy cycle. And I had been in that cycle so long, I didn't even recognize that it was bad. So I spent the next I was when I was 30, I spent the next now, five or six years just building myself back up learning who I really was at my core, and eventually refusing to be anything other than my authentic self. Um, I think the final like culmination is when I dyed my hair purple. Because um, I've always wanted to do that. And I was always afraid to do it. So when I did that, I, I and it was this weird outward symbol of like, I am me and I am taking back who I am. And I'm never going to let anybody else tell me who I should and should not be again. So yeah, that's kind of my, uh, my origin story. And through all of that, you know, I originally found CrossFit. Um, my boyfriend is now my husband at the time, suggested it and told me that I'd absolutely love it, um, which I did. Um, I absolutely did love it. And then I did it too much. <laughs> and <laughs> then I transitioned to powerlifting because it was slightly less of a, uh, of a burden by way of like a five minute stint in Olympic weightlifting, whereupon I realized that I still am not the most coordinated person in the world. Um, so went to powerlifting, um, loved powerlifting. Um, and, but then realized that I actually got like, and I actually got sick again. Um, and this time it was because of some chronic conditions that I've had my entire life that I had never realized. So that's kind of where I'm at today, um, is that I am finding a, my new place where and, and what wellness means to me um, in the light of kind of these chronic conditions and a light of no longer really being able to lift heavy. So meanwhile, while I was doing all that, I was learning about nutrition and I got my personal trainer certification and I uh, started coaching others, you know, wanted to share my journey and, and share my my experiences with others so that nobody would have to go through what I went through. Yeah. So it really was getting away from what you thought you should be to finding what worked for you, what was, what felt authentic for you in all areas of your life. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it was, it really was removing myself from this idea um, of who people wanted me to be. And therefore I thought I should be. It was more kind of ignoring those outward outward cues and those outward expectations and really focusing on what I wanted and what brought me joy. Yeah, that's amazing. So if somebody is finding themselves kind of in a life like that where maybe they feel like they're living more for other people than for themselves, what do you think is like the first step for them to step out of that to kind of rediscover what their authentic self is? Because I think for a lot of people, they may not even know what that is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing, I mean, I know like everyone doesn't have the opportunity to just kind of uplift their life and move 2000 miles away. And that's what it took me because I'm never I, I don't take subtlety very well in my own life. I normally have to be hit over the head with something. But I think the 
big, the biggest thing and the biggest start is asking yourself and being willing to admit the answer when whatever deep, true, honest answer that is, is are you happy? Right now, are you happy with who you are, what you're doing? Are you happy with your life? The vast majority of people, I actually think in some way are not. You know, I think that we have this idea that, you know, everyone needs to get good grades in high school, go to a good college, major in something that's going to be useful, and they'll, again, go get a job and work a nine-to-five and find a spouse and then get married and then, you know, raise a family and white picket fence and 2.5 kids and, you know, little house in the suburbs and do the same thing every day. And for some people, that's great. You know, some people really actually want that. And that's perfect. But it's a lot of people kind of go into that mentality where I have to do this because that's what I've been taught is the right thing to do. And I think it's the first step is just being honest with yourself and and really just asking is does my life make me happy? Does it bring me joy? Yeah, I think you're so right because I I think our the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. And so it's like, are you really happy? And if not, I think the next step would be discovering like what really brings you joy. Mm-hmm. And some people are so mired in the expectations that pe- other people or society has of us that you know, they, they don't know that. And sometimes those, those are really hard conversations to have. Um, and they're also really hard conversations to admit to. Like, if you ask yourself, like, if you ask yourself, you're like, all right, and I did this for a really long time. Like, are you happy? And to a certain extent, I was. Like, I actually decided at 15 that I was going to be a teacher. And I was going to teach Latin. And I kid you not, at 15, I decided I was going to be a teacher. I was going to teach Latin. I was going to drive a blue car. And I was going to have an apartment with a balcony. And th- those were my life goals. Because again, my, my upbringing was very career focused. Like you have to get a good job, a good stable job. And you have to you know, be able to provide for yourself and be self-sustainable. Which all are great goals, right? And I, I loved teaching. But as I kind of went on this journey. And as I really started to realize that although I could be happy, you know, I could feel like I was doing good in the world, which is kind of part of my definition of being happy. That's not the whole story. So it took me a really long time to realize that one of the reasons that I kind of wanted to go back into teaching very subconsciously is because I had a terrible time in school. I was bullied all through middle school. I would come home crying more times than I didn't um, between gaining a little bit of weight in middle school and um, just kind of being an awkward, creative kid that nobody knew how to deal with. Because again, I didn't really fit that mold. And then also trying like trying desperately to make a friend. And I just really wanted to be friends with someone. And so I tried a little harder than I probably should have. And I sort of made a fool of myself more times than not. But I think going back, you know, going back and specifically going back to the school that I actually went to junior high at and teaching there was sort of my way of erasing that negative experience. And it doesn't negate the wonderful times I had teaching. Um, I, I loved it. But it, you go down a deeper level um, and at least be somewhat of a positive influence because my Latin teacher when I was in middle school definitely was for me. 
But again, all of that, I mean, even with all of that and having that very deep, very meaningful mission, I didn't feel right. It didn't feel authentic to me. There's so many constraints on education and, you know, even moving to Arizona and dealing with, you know, two different states and educational standards, I ended up feeling trapped um, and burnt out. And a lot of teachers go through that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to I was just in the wrong place. I was doing the right thing. I was just doing it through the wrong medium. Yeah. So it was using your story to make an impact, but again, finding a way that kind of felt more authentic to you. Cause it almost seems like you were kind of going back into that, that situation as a teacher to, to heal that wound, to like feel that, fill that void. But you had to really like do that for yourself, not through going back to that school that you were bullied at. Is that true? So, yeah, I mean, I think like, it was, it was one of those things that I didn't want to admit to myself. Um, I really, really like when I, when it came to it, I kind of, that last step for me was admitting that I was doing it first to make a difference because obviously like that's, you don't go into teaching if you don't want to make a difference. Right. Um, but also there was a very real part of me that needed that healing, um, and needed that closure and needed that mission. Um, so that, you know, my experiences meant something. But, you know, you can want to heal your past. It doesn't make you happy in the present. It's a step, but it never, it's not one of those things that if you're constantly looking backwards, you're never looking around you and feeling fulfilled in the now. Yeah, absolutely. So how have you then, like moving from teaching then to starting your own business and coaching other women, like what was that transition like? Like what did you have to go through to get to that place? Well, so I think I first had to learn because a part of, well, not a part of me, but you know, it, it kind of goes back to the whole like needing to fit in thing as I sort of jumped on, you know, in my own life, jumped on every diet known to man because that part of, you know, there's a definite part of society that says if you are a size two, then people will love you. And because I never felt like I was worthy of that love, I was turning to yet another external thing, food, to either A, give me that comfort or B, turn me into someone that somebody would care about, um, that felt worthy. And it took me sort of starting to admit, and it kind of happened in stages, you know, starting to admit things to myself, um, and then just looking for real answers. You know, what, what is nutrition really all about? And when you learn the science behind it, it all of a sudden isn't one of those things that, you know, you get sold on, um, anymore is, you know, you can look at things like skinny teas, for example, or like detoxes and just be like, you know, that's just another, someone's just trying to make money off of me. Um, once you kind of know all of the science behind it. So a lot of it was taking that step to actually learning for myself and being able to decide for myself and, and not letting outside forces dictate my opinions, my thoughts, you know, what my actions I was taking, um, or uh, taking on my body or putting my body through. 
So I, that was the biggest step for me. And then from there was kind of learning about the mechanics of exercise. Cause I always assumed exercise was something you did to lose weight. Like none of the naturally thin people that I knew did much other than running. Um, and I also hate running <laughs> legitimately running is terrible. Um, I still don't like running to this day, but, um, once you learn the, the mechanics of that and, you start experimenting with things that are maybe not cardio um, because, you know, women are, are taught that the only thing that they should be doing is cardio. You realize what an empowering experience it could be. It's, it has nothing to do with body modification anymore. It's, it has everything to do with feeling strong and feeling empowered. Um, and that was sort of the big thing that was missing from my life. And that's what a barbell gave me more than anything else was the chance to figure out and to really realize that, no, it, it's not a matter of what you look like. I am strong and I don't take crap from anyone. So I, it turned into sort of, and, and that's kind of how this all emerged is all of these stories came together. And I, I realized one day, it's like, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to provide that safe haven for, you know, for women who are going through that same thing that I am, you know, I don't want any other woman ever to feel like she is small or feel like she has to pay attention to everything around her in order to fit in because we aren't really meant to fit in. You know, I mean, we are like, to a certain extent, you know, because tribes and all of that. But, you know, other than other than that, like, we're meant to be unique individuals. And we have particular gifts that we give to society. And everyone should honor that instead of trying really, really hard to be something that ultimately you may not be and be is not going to bring you joy. Yeah. I really, it reminds me of this quote that Brene Brown always, I don't know if it's a quote, but to me, she says it all the time that belonging and fitting in are actually the opposite. Like fitting in is trying to change yourself to be accepted by others and belonging is being loved for who you are. And so I think it's really about finding those spaces that you can belong, but I believe we have to first belong to ourselves so that we're not constantly trying to shift and mold and shape ourselves into something else that, you know, somebody else wants us to be. So, you know, I love how you really help people now create that in terms of health and wellness. So how can people create like that for themselves in a way that feels authentic for them. That's not like you were saying, trying to pursue necessarily weight loss or exercising just in the pursuit of that. Well, I think the first thing is education. Um, you know, understanding that like food, food is just food. Like somehow we have, and particularly women, we have taken this idea of food and we have assigned morality to it. And I don't know when that happened because it happened way before I was born. But it, it's just one of those things where, like, when did we wake up and say, like, hamburgers are bad and, like, kale is good? I was like, well, okay, actually, like, when you think about it, they're both good. They're just good in different ways. And why are we saying they're both good? So you go through this sort of train of thought. It's like, well, kale is a vegetable. It has micronutrients and fiber in it. Cool. You need those. Meat has protein. You need protein. Like the world needs protein. Sorry, you need it. So the hamburgers, you know, hamburgers, protein. And then you've got the carbs that are the bun. Um, and there's extra protein in the cheese if you can handle that. You know, it's, it's this amazing thing where food isn't the, food shouldn't be the enemy. And sort of it's, it, 
I think the first thing is to remove or at least realizes the realize the biases that we have, right? Um, you know, always just looking at things from the realm of the the lens of society or what society has conditioned you to, to believe, and then removing all of those and figuring out, okay, how do I feel about this? So what I do a lot with food in particular is, you know, we kind of go through this, like, how does this food make you feel? You know, once I can get a client eating regularly and sort of honoring their hunger and eating a sufficient amount for their body size and activity level, you know, one of the things that we do is kind of say, well, how did this meal make you feel? Because there's a definite difference. Like if I eat nothing but cereal all day, I feel crappy. But it's not because the cereal is bad. It's because I'm missing out on like the other things that my body needs to survive. And it's the realizing that you are in control of what goes in your mouth and there's nothing that's bad, but you want to feel good too. So figuring out what that looks like on your body and with the activities that you particularly sort of engage in. That's sort of one of the big lessons. And from there, you're empowered to say, okay, I can have that bowl of ice cream. Like it is an option and it's not bad if I do, but the, the true freedom comes in saying, but I don't want it right now. Like that's just not something that sounds good to me. And I think that's kind of the, the thing that takes the longest for people um, in particularly, like I said, women. Where because we've been so conditioned, we're like, we can't have this food because it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And then all of a sudden you go to a party and you're like, calories don't count. I'm going to eat everything in sight. So because I'm not going to have it again for like six months. And it's just that back and forth and back and forth because then you start the whole like, I feel guilty. I feel awful. Instead of just saying, well, I just I don't feel like it right now. Like that's just not something that's interesting to me. Or, you know, and it's cheap ice cream. It doesn't really taste good. So I'm not going to eat it just because it's there. That's what freedom looks like. And that's kind of, that's part of the journey um, for a lot of people and for a lot of women. So it's not so much just like, you know, eat vegetables. I mean, obviously you have to eat your vegetables, right? You know, there are nutritional principles that are sort of important. Like you do need to maintain uh, adequate protein intake. Um, that's a challenge for a lot of people. Um, and then you know, your carb level needs to be relatively appropriate to your activity and your goals. Um, and again, it all comes down to how you feel. So there's a lot of things at play. Yeah. And I think too, like what I hear is redefining, like a redefining of what health really is. Like it's not necessarily just losing weight, but it's finding you know, a balance in your mental health and your physical health in all of those things. Cause if, if you don't have one, you can't have the others. Yeah. There's actually studies that have come out um, that talk about, you know, chronic dieters and their, your, your image, your self image being an inflammatory biological process. You know, if you are constantly degrading yourself and you are constantly thinking that you are worthless, it actually like causes inflammation within your body. Our minds are incredibly powerful, right? So the first thing you want to work on is that mindset. And the mindset is around food. The mindset is around, you know, setting boundaries for work, um, like home life or work life balance, excuse me. Um, you know, setting appropriate, you know, boundaries in the gym, even um, not using exercise as an escape or as a way to you know, 
change who you are or, you know, portray something that you don't want to be. Um, but then again, it comes down to, you know, the, that central goal. What is it that you really want out of life? What is it that you're really all about? For me, the answer was always freedom. Because for a large part of my life, I felt trapped. You know, and freedom and empowerment were two things that kind of went hand in hand for me. So once you start focusing on that particular goal, and it has to be one of those things that's not like physical. It's not physical. It's not an image. It's not something you reflect to the outside world. It's how you feel on the inside. Um, then you can start to build your life from there. You know, if you look at empowerment as a goal, I mean, obviously empowerment and strength training go hand in hand. So that's sort of a perfect, you know, marriage of the movement that is appropriate for your goal. And, you know, from there you look at nutrition saying, okay, well now I have to feel myself, you know, in a appropriate way that is going to help me to get stronger is going to help me to, you know, be able to go and enjoy my time at the gym. Um, so it all kind of falls in place from there. So it's that mindset, like, what is it once you admit that you're not happy with what, you know, with what's going on and you ask yourself, what is it that I want from here? You know, asking yourself that question and asking yourself what you want and really narrowing it down helps to build that life, you know, from the center out. We build our lives from like the outside in. So we listen to a lot of like external messages and external expectations. Um, so really, you know, what I do is just sort of the opposite. Yeah. And I think that's how you make it sustainable, you know, instead of it just being like, you're constantly like when it's from the outside in, you're constantly chasing the next thing, you know, you get to the job or the relationship or the possessions that you've been working towards. And then it's like, you still feel empty you know, and you're constantly chasing more versus when you build from the inside out, you're able to have that lasting fulfillment. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think, again, that comes down to, and it's this sort of nonsense expectation that we have that, you know, weight loss is the be all end all goal of all women who exercise. You're like, I don't know when that happens. I don't know why that happened, but apparently it's a thing. And apparently it's a thing that we teach like really young girls is we have to, you know, burn our fat at all times and we have to be like less than a size two. Um, and if you keep chasing that weight loss goal, it's an external thing. You're not doing it for yourself most of the time, right? You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it so that you will get more acceptance or you will find happiness, um, which again, you know, is based on your value to other people. And that's building a life from the outside in. And that's why one of the reasons there's a million of them, but one of the reasons that 95% of diets fail is that they are not situationally right or right in terms of that mindset. And people don't have a very strong why. Yeah, I think that's really important to know your why when you're going after any goal in your life. Because otherwise, I mean, we're always going to face those obstacles and that resistance, I believe, that comes up, especially strong right before you're about to achieve something amazing. You know, that resistance comes up. So you have to really be anchored into your why if you want to be able to push through that and, and achieve what it is that you desire in your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So 
before my last question, is there a question you wish I would have asked you or a final message that you want to leave? Don't believe 97% of what you hear. <laughs> um, there, so everything or here on Instagram or Facebook or in some ad, you know, of, of whatever sort that there are ads, right? Um, you know, again, the wellness industry is built, it's, it's a very, 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 very profitable industry. It's in, somewhere in like, I think it's $46 billion um, a year that it makes. And it profits off of people's insecurities. It profits off of promises that um, to make you someone that you think you should be or someone that is going to be inherently more worthy to society. The truth is, if whatever size you are at now, if you wanted to be a size two, I guarantee you, if you don't love yourself now, or you don't love your body now, you're not going to love your body at a size two, because it's, it doesn't work that way. There's a lot of extra work that needs to be done. Again, you're building yourself from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. So just keep that in mind. Um, once you kind of see, it's like seeing the matrix, right? When you see the matrix of the, you know, of the diet industry and of the wellness industry, you see that people are selling quick fixes and people are selling solutions to, you know, external problems. And 99% of the time they actually don't work. Um, they're, they're really just designed to keep you in this diet cycle loop that's going to eventually, um, you know, degrade your health, um, you know, and that's something that never ends particularly well for anyone. Yeah, I completely agree. Thanks for sharing that. And the last question that I always ask is related to taking action, because I believe that that's how we actually change our lives. It was, you know, not just thinking about these things and reading all the things that we have to actually do. So what would be three action steps that somebody could take today to live a more uplifted life? Um, I think the first question is to be honest with her or the first thing is to be honest with yourself. So if you're asking yourself the question, am I happy? You know, the, the first, the first answer always has to be the most authentic deep down answer um, or the final answer. You know, you can kind of go through all of those layers, but you have to be honest with yourself at all times. Um, even if you don't like that answer. And those are very, very, very difficult kind of conversations to have with yourself. Um, so definitely, you know, be a hundred percent honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with others. In terms of, you know, because like wellness is my niche, so I'm going to go into some wellness stuff. <laughs> you know, like eat eat about 500 grams of veggies a day because you know veggies are good for you. Um, sleep seven to nine hours a night. Um, you know, these are sort of rough guidelines. If you feel like you need more go right ahead, listen to your body, right? And then obviously the third part is listen to your body. Um, listen to your, what your body is telling you, what it needs, um, and respect it. You know, don't push through and like go work out and you've got two hours of sleep and you're feeling miserable. Like it's not going to end well and it's probably not going to help you either. Um, so, you know, maybe that's more take care of yourself on a regular basis. Um, I think that's sort of the big overarching thing there. Um, hydrate. Water is a great thing. Um, and then I think the third thing is to decide um, whatever decisions you make in life. And this is kind of a big one. And this is a, a large part of how I live my life. You know, decide for yourself. 
um, and make a decision. Don't just go with something because you think it's the right thing um, or what people want you to do or what you should do. Like, don't go on autopilot either, like decide. So if you're at a job and you go and you've kind of been on autopilot for years, go in one day and say, I'm going to be completely 100% present and decide everything today. I'm going to be completely in that moment. Um, it is one of the more empowering experiences because you start to then really hear that small voice in the back of your head. And that's what's going to that's what's going to kind of point you in the direction towards the best life that you've always wanted to live. So those are my three. That's beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing that. And where can people find you and learn more about you? Sure. Um, so I am primarily on Instagram. I do have a Facebook thing, um, but it's one of those things where there's not a, there's not as many people on Facebook and I'm primarily on Facebook for like family and, you know, friends that are not, or that are far away. But um, you can find me on either at Eat Free Foodie. Um, and then my coaching website is riseupwomenswellness.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. And I just want to acknowledge you for all of the work that you're doing with helping women to create a life and wellness in a way that feels authentic to them. So I think it's just so needed, especially in a world, like you said, where we have so many things, people, society telling us that we need to be something different. Well, thank you. I I really actually had fun. Thank you for, for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your day with me. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss one. If this episode really resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you screenshot and share it with your friends and family or share it on your Instagram story. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which helps me spread the message and get the podcast heard by more people. For more self-love and powerlifting inspiration, come follow me on Instagram or join my private Facebook group, Self Love School. The links are in the show notes. And until next time, stay uplifted.